Blessings, Divine Nobodies fam. You know, one thing that Jen and I are huge advocates for are developing ways in which we can improve our lives through making spirituality and wellness not just a topic of conversation, but a lifestyle. You know, we live in a very fast-paced, hyper-accelerated world, and so it's important to find healthy ways that we can optimize that life. Let me tell you guys, I discovered this brand, Happy Hippo, a few years ago, and it was during a time where I just couldn't handle the overtly stimulating effects of coffee anymore. I just couldn't do it. But I still wanted a natural way to put a little pep in my step, if you know what I mean. Whether you're someone that needs a lot of energy throughout the day or someone that just likes to relax at home with a nice book, you know, nestled in your hammock, cuddling with your partner, all the things. Happy Hippo has quality herbal products meant to enhance and optimize all areas of the life you currently live. They offer a wide variety of lab-tested, GMP-approved croton powder, capsules, and extracts from around the world. They have products that can promote well-being, inner peace, also products that can complement a productive and busy life. You know, if you're like Gary Vee and you just like to crush it at life, Happy Hippo will get you there, guys. So if you're curious about this magical plant from Southeast Asia, because that's where it comes from, just visit their website at happyhippoherbals.com and search their huge catalog of Katam strains to find one that resonates with you. Trust me, guys, you'll find one if you believe. If you're new to Katam and aren't sure where to start, well, Happy Hippo Herbals does a great job of providing descriptions for each product so you know exactly how it will benefit your life. Go to happyhippoherbals.com and use promo code DivineNobodies at checkout for 15% off your first order. That's promo code DivineNobodies at checkout for 15% off your first order. Trust me, fam, you'll be feeling all kinds of vibes. Thank you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and understanding. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Thank you for tuning in to Divine Nobody's podcast. Welcome, everyone. How you doing, Jen? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Guess what? I went into Starbucks this morning to get a green tea. I felt like it was a green tea type of day. I usually don't have green tea, but I was in the area, wanted to get some green tea. I struck up a conversation with the barista, right? Which is what they normally do. This is sort of like a part of, uh, I guess, the business that they conduct there. And at the yeah. end of that conversation, he said, have a good day and keep the gray matter squishy. <laughs> I right? love that. That's really cute. And I was like, you know what? I will. I will do yeah, that. I, I just stood there and looked at him and I thought to myself, I'm standing in front of a goddamn genius, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I thought to myself, this is the guy that's going to upload consciousness to a computer one day. Oh, for right? sure. Yeah. He was talking about the type of work that he's in because he was asking me how a day was going. I was like, oh, I'm just relaxing, going to do a podcast later. And he told me that he was into software and he had that sort of nice little twinkle in his eye ah. that he had something up his sleeve. He had, had that problem. Elon Musk vibe? Exactly. He had that Uh-oh. Elon Musk vibe. And mm, I alien. looked at him and he looked at me and I was like, I know you're working at Starbucks and there's something else going on here. I don't know what it is, but we shared a connection. I right? like it. It's crazy some of the people that you meet, Jen. And uh, with that said, we actually have a guest in the studio today, Jen, a really, really phenomenal woman. But before we introduce her though, I wanted to offer you a gift, Jen. Oh. I wanted to offer you a gift. Okay. Okay. I'm going to, I have a poem for you. 
It's not a okay. poem that I, I wrote. This okay. is a poem that our guest wrote. Oh, right. I'll say okay. her name. I'll introduce her later. Her name is Lauren Bruno, and I'll talk to I'll talk about her a little after this. But it was a poem that I read on her IG that really really touched me, and I was like, you know what, this poem is for me. But you know what, it's from from her to me, but to you also, Jen. Okay. So All I'm right. going to read it off as m- sort of my gift from from Lauren Bruno, our guest. Okay. I want okay. you to like really That's take it. this in and really like sit with this. Okay. Right. Just All right. sit into your sort of heart I'm chakra. Get it my, All right. My, yeah, my meditative state. All right, All right your meditative state, because you really you need to feel, you need all the feels for this one, Jen. Okay, you ready? Okay, I'm ready. All right. Soul connections are so much deeper and more meaningful. They hold an equal amount of space for you as you do for them. They're excited to get to know you without forcing anything. They're curious with you. They're playful with you, and they don't attempt to control you. They have fun with themselves, and it shows. There you go. That's it right there, Ooh, Jen. I like it. Right? So it's almost like she, her commenting on our relationship, soul connections is what she was talking about. Yeah. Right? And that reminded me of just the soul connection that we have because we've been like planetary astral besties for a long time. Yeah, we sure have. So I thought Came about it. that spaceship it, together, you know? Exactly. This should be the intro to our show. You know what I mean? It says, they have fun with themselves and it shows. And that's what makes us a yeah. divine nobody's podcast. <laughs> and then we give each other like a virtual high five and we say namaste bitches, you know? Yeah. <laughs> We're like, namaste, bitches. You know? <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah. So the, that one was from Lauren Bruno. You know what? While I'm talking about it, I might as well just introduce her. So we have a guest in. Her name is Lauren Bruno. She has over a 1,000 hours of education and training and experience in hypnotherapy and self-improvement. She holds certifications in hypnotherapy from the nationally accredited Hypnosis Motivation Institute, along with uh, multiple certifications in therapeutic imagery and hypnosis for anxiety and past life regression. She does actually a few other things too, which is uh, neuro-linguistic programming, emotional freedom technique, past life regression, and Usui Reiki attuned by the master Usui himself. Everybody, let's welcome Lauren Bruno. How are you doing, Lauren? Hello, Eric and Jen. So nice to be here. What'd you yeah, think of that little intro? It's pretty cool, right? Yeah, it was a really shocking good. surprise. But I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and you both are definitely soulmates. Are part of the same soul family. You can tell. Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can tell when she's really angry at me that she really, really lo- care- loves and cares about me. You know? What yeah. I mean? <laughs> Telepathically, <laughs> you just feel it. Yeah. You're like, I still love you, but I'm really pissed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do you know where you were at? Uh, what, what kind of what your intention was when you wrote that, the Soul Connections piece? Because I found that on an IG post. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so soulmates are such a important topic to me and really understanding the clusters of soulmates that we come with and we meet in different periods of our lives and whether or not they're with us for this entire human life or in a period of our vibrational resonance, they teach us something and they show us something about ourselves. And we know them at a deeper level than most people. Yeah. I had a soulmate dog. Definitely. Which was really cool. Yeah. He was, he was my little Yoda. Uh, he's not with us anymore. And we did a whole, a whole podcast on that. But, uh, you know, when I think about soulmates, you know, I think about him, he's like the first, the first thing that comes to mind because he just had his own, his own little like spirit and we were instantly connected. And same with Eric. I mean, uh, when Eric and I met for the first time, it was like we were instant best friends, like uh, stepbrothers. 
Did we just become best friends? Yeah. <laughs> just like traveling the universe. And it's an interesting thing about what Jen is talking about is a lot of people think when they think of like soul tribes or, you know, those sort of cosmic connections, we think of like people typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, the pets that we have, we have these really powerful and, you know, beautiful experiential sort of like relationships with these pets. I've learned so much about life with my cat. And mm-hmm. he's like his own little sort of guru because, you know, us human beings, we sort of navigate through life with a lot of different issues, you know, typically driven by the thoughts that we think and these sort of like uh, unconscious types of behaviors. But dogs and cats don't seem to have that. They are, I think you mentioned it before, Jen, like they are so much more evolved mm-hmm. in that realm. They've mastered unconditional love. So they're able to be with us and just be present, 100% present and just love us unconditionally. And I find like when I'm just sitting on my bed, staring at my cat, she's looking at me. It's almost like, if I have anything going on, she gives me this look like, what are you doing? What are we doing? I just need to chill out, here? relax, and just chill the fuck out. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is such an interesting topic because cats and dogs are so different. And cats will yeah. set their boundaries with you. They'll tell you right away if they don't want to be touched. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe that's the reason why I chose a cat because if you're somebody like me and in from my past, you know, a lot of my journey involved in uh, healing codependency, right? That is one thing that cats are not. They're not codependent, right? They're very independent. So I learned uh, so much about uh, how to master my codependency through my cat. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, and I think with, with Jen, I don't know if it was the opposite with Sancho. Yeah, it was the opposite. And that's the way animals teach us, right? Either they'll teach us by mirroring or teach us by being opposite. And um, he was totally opposite of me. And uh, that opposition, I would, I was able to kind of like learn, learn from him how to calm down, how to slow down, how to, how to chill, how to just like be with myself and be with him, you know, rather than just like, go, go, go. I totally get the the difference between cats and dogs and because uh, I have right now I have nine cats because <laughs> wow. our cats just had had kittens so we have seven kittens and, and the two parents yeah and they're main so coons it's been really fun yeah they're main coons those yeah. are the most so, badass of all cats yeah know, right? they're really cool they're like little, they're like <laughs> they're little really super great. villains like you like get up in the middle of the night three a.m. and they're just sitting on the counter just staring at you with like their little super villain face <laughs> plotting how they might murder you exactly a hundred percent yeah <laughs> exactly okay so thank you thank you again for joining us we wanted to get into a few things you're a master of so many different things and uh loved your ig by the way you really love your messages and i'm gonna go through some of them but i first wanted to get into kind of like your journey into spirituality i know that you mentioned something about a, a near-death experience i'd love for you to expand on that if you can absolutely near-deaths are one of the biggest catalysts of waking us up. Um, and I do believe we signed up for them before we came to this life. But I've had a couple different near-death experiences with car accidents. And one that hit me the most was in 2016. I was on a road trip with a partner across the country of the United States. And we were camping and hiking, had it all planned out to visit all the national parks. And then seven days in, I was driving in Texas, actually, where I'm living now, and a tractor trailer's wheel came off. It hit the back of my car, spun my car around in the highway. I faced oncoming traffic, and then the tractor trailer completely smashed the front of my car and against the guardrail. And it wasn't super near death. I didn't go to the other realm, but I remember this moment of just surrendering to all that was happening. And I felt my grandmother's energy with me and let myself completely surrender to what was happening. Got out of the car 
and I couldn't drive the rest of the road trip. But we did decide to buy a new car and keep going on the three-month road trip across the country. Wow. Oh, my gosh. What kind of car were you driving? It was like a beat-up Honda Accord. (laughs) I mean, still, that's a small car to be hit by a tractor-trailer. Yeah, yeah, a little tiny sedan. And what were you thinking? Like, I mean, the the most interesting, because I've been reading about near-death experiences all my life because I've also had one. Once you have a near-death experience, Mm -hmm. whether or not it's a mystical one, whether or not it's just something that actually occurs, it has this ability to sort of stop you in your tracks, right? Mm -hmm. It's like life organizes these unique and special moments as opportunities to sort of flip the light switch on in most Mm -hmm. people. Right. And at least for me, that's what it did. So when I, I read up about these um, sort of near death experiences, one thing, one common theme that I hear is that like you're not thinking about anything. Like you're 100% present and engaged with that experience. And that's sort of contradictory to what a lot of people think. They, a lot of people think it's filled with fear and like this, this dread, like, oh, am I going to die? But at least when we talked to this guy named David Ditchfield and he talked about his near death experience. He talked about it as being one of the most beautiful, peaceful experiences that he's ever had. So what was going through your mind in the moment that tractor trailer came down on your car? It's so true. It, it wasn't necessarily fear when I was rotating, the car was happening. And it's wild. You can really feel it as you're reliving the memory and the experience. Um, I didn't regress or repress any of it. I remember yelling out what the I don't know if I could swear on here, but <laughs> oh, yeah, you, you can, can swear. We, we've swear sworn like time. at least a dozen times already. Yeah, I <laughs> uh, yeah. I think my first words were "What the fuck," and then it just kind of went. And um, yeah, it really it caused a lot of PTSD when I was driving. So I would shake whenever I was behind the wheel, whenever I passed any other tractor trailers. Um, but in that moment, it was like we need to do what we need to do, and that's to gather up ourselves and be in this present moment making this decision yeah, on what to do next. Did. So as far as the PTSD is concerned, um, how what did you do to kind of start to take steps to get over that? Like what was your journey to healing that PTSD where you could drive again and you could see a tractor trailer and not, you know, have that visceral response? Yeah, I started a couple different types of therapy, talk therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy. But what I really fell in love with was hypnotherapy and past life regression. And once I started moving into hypnotherapy, that's when I realized we were so much more than this body, this identity, and that I firmly believe that tractor-trailer accident wasn't, wasn't an accident. It was meant to be for a greater knowing and more regulation of my mind and my body connection. And that's what really helped with the hypnotherapy is feeling safer in the body. And when I went back to work, I was a design manager at a company and they they gave me a promotion after I went to therapy. They mentioned you're so much less anxious, you're handling projects and tasks better. And it was, yeah, it was all of the hypnotherapy. It was all of that breath work, that meditation and really being able to tap into just how my body was feeling and yeah. rewire that response, that fear that would shake whenever it passed another car. Yeah. So when I think, um, I don't know a ton about hypnotherapy, to be honest. And all, all I can think of is hypnotherapy that you see in like, uh, in shows or on TV where people are, you know, like now you're hypnotized. So oh, what is yeah. the actual experience like? Can you, can you explain what the actual experience of, of 
participating in hypnotherapy is. Definitely. And yeah, the stage tricks, those are um, interesting shows to watch. (laughs) And you'll find that they only pull on right-brained people on those stages um, because they're more open to being a little bit sillier. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so like those David Blaine's that like, they're like walking down the street and they're like, when I snap my fingers, you're just going to go limp and turn into a dog and bark five times. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, You're hypnotizing yourself at that point. You're having fun with it. And, um, if you're a little more left brained, you would think a little bit more logically like, no, I don't, I don't really want to do that. It's all preference (laughs) really. But the hypnotherapy process, it definitely is different for everyone. Um, but usually sessions take about two and a half to three hours, and we speak cognitively about challenges that anyone is moving through. And hypnosis is such a naturally occurring state of being. It's it's those different brainwave states. Right now we're in the beta brainwave state and we're speaking actively, but hypnotherapy utilizes the alpha and the theta brainwave state, which is a more relaxed way of breathing and feeling in the body. So it's very similar to meditation in a sense, but hypnotherapy uses different linguistics to really pull out what is needed and rewire what might have um, showed up in fear in that cognitive portion of the session. Okay. So would you would you compare this trance-like state to being, you said meditation, but also being maybe like absorbed in a book or in a movie or really into music or something like that? Definitely. Like where you're... Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're okay. really into something, but also one of my favorite examples, you might've heard this before is when you're driving to work and you're so used to that same route that mm-hmm. your conscious mind is thinking about something completely different and your subconscious mind is doing all the driving for you. So your conscious mind yeah. might be thinking like, Oh, what do I want to make for dinner later? But your subconscious already knows the route that it's traveling. So it makes that drive right away. Oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many times I've driven home from work in the past. And when I got home, had no idea how I got there. I'm like, oh shit, I don't even remember the drive home. It's like that, That's such like a beautiful experience. And there's something to be said about that experience too, because th- there's a certain level of that that involves like us trusting that the mind and our body working in collaboration know exactly what to do in every given moment. And I guess one can say that that is the meditative state. You know, it's like you learn how to tie your shoe once. You don't have to really, really worry about having to worry about that. It's one of those things that we just sort of unconsciously do. There are so many different types of those type of behaviors that we engage in every single day. And we don't have any issues with those. But I think as it pertains to kind of like the, the work that we're in with trauma and uh, depression and stuff like that, somehow our minds tend to get in the way of lots of different situations. And I think if we start addressing it in the same way that we do with a lot of these sort of like modern everyday things, I think that we can find a lot of healing in that, right? Absolutely. And it's our subconscious mind that's running the show for us, not necessarily our conscious mind, which is all of our willpower and our logistics. Yeah. I was watching this. I was listening to this podcast by, I think it was like Michael Huberman, the, the, um, the neurosurgeon. I think you've like listened to him a few times, Jen. He was talking about like, mm-hmm. if you really want to absorb the information from a book, the best thing that you can do in order for it to, to sort of really register in your brain is to read a little bit and then go to sleep for like 20 or 30 minutes and then wake up. And apparently, according to him, it just it does this thing where you're able to sort of absorb that information a lot more than you would if you were to just read it throughout the day and just sort of pick it up and put it down. You know, that's exactly how I used to study in nursing school. 
That's a, that's exactly it. I was also super tired. So that's <laughs> like mixed too. with exhaustion. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So you're reading and you read so much. Oh my God. I didn't read for pleasure for five years after I graduated from school. Cause that's like pretty much all you do. And, um, and that's what I would do. I would take naps like in between I'd read, I'd study for an hour and then I'd take like a 10 minute nap and set the timer on my phone. And then I'd wake up and read more and I just do like little cat naps, but it does work. And then you're in the alpha brainwave state. So it's the best time to yeah. um, say your affirmations, wake up and um, really feed your mind with what you'd like to learn about. Yeah. You got that good neuroplasticity mm, happening. That squishy, <laughs> what is it? Squishy grain. This is squishy, squishy gray matter. Gray matter. <laughs> I love that. That's too mm. cute. So are you facilitating hypnotherapy for other people or um, are are you just talking about your experiences that you had with a hypnotherapist? I have clients, yes, with different programs with releasing trauma, Amazing. releasing pain, shame, and guilt from childhood trauma, sexual trauma, and empowering playful magnetic love from within. Oh, wonderful. You know, it's really interesting about the state that you're talking about, this sort of like hypnagogic type of state is that it's it's really similar to, like you said, with meditation, but with sound healing, it's the exact same way, mm-hmm. right? Whenever I would like facilitate a sound bath and you had people kind of sitting and laying on their back and just sort of absorbing all of these frequencies, um, after these classes all the time, they'd always come up to me and talk to me about things that people, I imagine, come up to you and talk to you about when it comes to their, you know, hypnotherapy. They're talking about past lives. They're talking about, you know, different thoughts and emotions that came up that were from years and years ago. And it's Mm -hmm. interesting. It's just really interesting to me that this sort of, I don't know, maybe it's like us accessing the Akashic records. Would you, would you, would you, do you ever kind of bridge those two together? Because I know that somebody like Edgar Casey, for example, the sleeping prophet, he used to go into these trance-like states in order to access the Akashic records, which are basically like the hall of records for our human civilization. And he used to be able to give people readings based off of this information. And I imagine that when people do astral projection or lucid dreaming or go into these meditative states that maybe they're accessing that same sort of database. Is that something that you resonate with in your work? This is a really fascinating topic because I've definitely pondered this myself and having facilitated many different past life regressions and quantum healing hypnosis sessions, what comes through with clients is they're channeling, they're channeling their past lives. So we are all channels and we all have this capability to access our own Akashic records. And the Akashic records is the recordings of what our DNA, our energetic blueprint, our soul may have stored within our body. And whether or not you even believe in past lives or parallel lives, which they may be, it's a way to release um, karma, which karma is any types of patterns that we're holding on to that aren't for our best and our highest timeline of creating the biggest impact we could. Not even creating the biggest impact, but but following what your soul came here to do, whether or not that's eating berries in the woods and laying or <laughs> really making a global impact on societies and changing different systematic ways of living. But um, that's what's beautiful about hypnotherapy is I'm not telling them like a psychic what their lives might be they're experiencing that and speaking through it themselves. I'm being a loving detective kind of poking um, and pulling out what's best to come in a trauma-informed way too because the past life regressions that are the most important are the ones where we have experienced some type of trauma. And once we are able to consciously process that, our body automatically feels safer. 
I've had um, binge eating disorders released. A client of mine released endometriosis pain after 27 years with a couple of hypnotherapy sessions within my program. Um, diabetes regulation. That's when you start realizing this is real. This way of processing our Mm, this way of understanding ourselves at a deeper level, but also releasing fears that aren't related to our identity is such a safer way um, and a beautiful, mystical way to understand ourselves more and feel safer being who we are. Yeah, that's really beautiful. It's just an interesting thing about trauma is it's so, so misunderstood and it's one of those things that you don't quite know you're misunderstanding until you kind of just go further along in your journey because in, in the beginning we sort of have an aversion to anything that we've experienced that's traumatic. But mm-hmm. I noticed that like nothing really wakes you wakes up a person like trauma, right? There's only a few things in life that have the ability to sort of shake you out of whatever sleep that you happen to be in and that's death and mm-hmm. things like heartbreak. But trauma just seems to have this way of sort of like, like I said earlier, switching the light on, you know, like we can pretend to be so many different types of people until trauma hits us, whether it's through heartbreak or whether or not it's through uh, the, the passing of a loved one. And in those moments when trauma happens, there's this uh, feeling of like uh, sincerity that people feel like they, they've experienced something really huge and they have a responsibility at some point to overcome that. But I think that overcoming that involves being really, really open, honest, and intimate with ourselves. So I, I, the reason why I bring this up is I just look at the idea of trauma almost being like a type of what Ram Das calls fierce grace. It's like God intervening and in, in putting his hand into life and, and, and touching you in such a way that you can awaken, you know, through these type of things. And it, it maybe that this is just my perspective, which is like changing our relationship to the trauma and seeing it as opportunities for growth, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you have those people who have repressed trauma, maybe trauma that they don't remember. You see that a lot with um, sexual traumas and there's patterns and behaviors in their life that they don't understand why they have, right? Um, why am I so sexually promiscuous? Why can I not hold down a relationship? You know, why do I feel anxious? Why do, um, uh, why do I sabotage my relationships with whomever? And it sounds like past life regression or hypnotherapy is is a good avenue to like bring that stuff to the forefront. Um, I'm curious if you've ever had anybody in your practice that um, maybe suffered some some sexual trauma that they didn't remember and then went into into one of your sessions and that came up. Absolutely. The subconscious mind stores so much. Um, But we don't do circle therapy, meaning we don't go back to that time of the incident where they repressed it specifically. It's more so the energy and the understanding of what had happened to them and how they are self-sabotaging certain types of relationships and it's at an unconscious level. So more so seeking what they really would like in relationships and really what the intimacy they'd like with themselves. So moving deeper into their own playful intimacy and how they treat themselves in their body, how they talk to themselves in their body. Because Mm -hmm. most of the times when we've experienced trauma, we unconsciously say these inner critic things to ourselves and um, don't truly love ourselves. So that's why unconsciously, if you were brought up in trauma or say by a narcissist or something, then you're unconsciously seeking that same type of person. You're wanting that same love that your parent never gave you. And then once you start to recognize that pattern, you can truly rewire it and and feel safer in real authentic relationships um, 
and make connections with people without forcing anything, like we mentioned in the beginning, without expectation of everything, of anything, just having fun with building connections and, yeah, truly understanding what real love is. I love that. That reminds me of a quote by Gabor Mate. You're probably familiar with him because he talks a lot about um, trauma. He has a quote that says, trauma is not what happens to you. Trauma is what happens inside of you as a result of what happens to you. This is like really, really powerful when I read that because when we experience trauma, the first thing that the ego does is identifies with the trauma. It identifies a certain aspect of itself with the trauma. This is the one thing that, of course, like in Buddhism or Hinduism, they, they want to try and kind of resolve you from, which is identifying with situations because there's this sort of, um, you know, perspective that they have that there is the, the beingness, the spirit inside that is separate from the ego. And that beingness and that spirit can never be affected by these sort of worldly things that happen. So like learning to separate ourselves and distance ourselves from any sort of, you know, issue that the ego may over-identify with. But I wanted to ask you, what do you think it is about trauma that makes it so difficult for people to transcend it? That's a good question. I believe that it's nervous system regulation and not even understanding that there is an issue. Basically unconsciousness that we've experienced trauma. We hear this a lot too. My trauma wasn't that bad or I I haven't experienced um, anything super traumatic, just bullying when I was a kid. But really, that, that's stored in our body. It's stored in our physical body and our mental or emotional body. And so if we don't release that trauma from the past or at least hold a safe space for that inner child that's always within us, our, our brain really has no concept of time, then we won't be able to tap into that spiritual body, that energetic body, the subtle energies of our body until we can truly release that trauma. And that's just totally true because I think about, I mean, I had a pretty traumatic um, childhood. I think that Jen would probably also agree with her childhood as well. It, to try and think of going that far back to where I was like maybe 10 or 11 years old just seems like such an impossible task. I don't even remember my childhood that mm-hmm. far back, but I know that there was a lot of trauma that, that was involved in that. And so I guess as, as children, we don't really know what to do with that. So what we do is I imagine we store it into our subconscious. It just sort of sits there and it's sort of like in this subtle way sort of influences all of the different types of behaviors that we have until one day we wake up and decide that we want to kind of heal from that. So I feel like this is the reason why I'm so interested in hypnotherapy because it seems like they, people have a, an avenue where they could go backwards uh, in, into that sort of data sphere of time. I'm just going to liken it to like the Akashic records. You give access to the Akashic records where you're able to access those feelings and heal them. Yeah. So, so you mentioned that whenever you're in a session with someone that you, um, you just kind of like gently poke them in, (laughs) in the whatever direction that they need to go. Um, Can you give us an example of, of what that, what that means and what that would be like. Like, are you making suggestions for um, making suggestions for them? Yeah, definitely. So in the beginning, we'll um, go into a deepener to really relax the body. And so I'll be guiding that and we'll, whatever that comes through as a body scan or some type of just subconscious relaxation, and that will be all guided. And then we'll move into, and it's always dependent on the session. It really is. Um, And what spirit and source and God, whatever you may call, also has because we work co-creatively with our, call them energetic support teams, your guides and your ancestors of benevolence and mind together. And it's really a spiritual alchemy, truly, is releasing 
things from the past. So once we use all the sensations to really make the experience truly vivid, the sights and the sounds and the smells and the tastes, and not everyone can see things in their mind. So imagining it or feeling it or hearing it, tapping into their psychic abilities a little bit more, then we'll focus on just one thing at a time. So say we're doing a past life regression and we're going into a different realm beyond time and space. I'll have someone look at their feet first and they'll notice instantly what's on their feet or what's beneath their feet, what ground they're standing on. And then we could take the journey a little bit further. What's, what are you hearing? What's around you? What are you smelling? Really making it like the sensations really vivid so that it can be a full experience and we can really move deep into what might come up for them. That sounds kind of like a Joe Dispenza yeah, meditation. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm actually going to go see him in Denver um, next month. So oh, I'm super beautiful. excited about that, but more to come on that. Yeah. Oh, Jen, uh, we got to brag. I wish I could go. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm bragging. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> you, you mentioned something in on your IG, and this is something that I, actually one of our, our guests in the past had brought up. Uh, we had a guest named Grace Ohm, and she talked a lot about this, which is the witch wound. And, uh, and, I, and I'm really interested in this because obviously this is a, a part of a past life that I imagine a lot of um, women um, tend to be or, or tend to need a lot of healing in, right? And I think that, that men also go through the same type of wound when it comes to like being warriors in the past. But how do you feel that this wound exists in uh, the feminine and what can they do to heal that? The witch wound exists in all of us. We've been murdered in different yeah. past lives or if you've been killed or... Just society in general. I mean, um, so much sexual trauma and rape has existed within women. And if you've noticed, if you do ayahuasca, you start to see all the trauma in the world a lot deeper. Or I actually yeah. haven't done it myself, but what I've heard from many people, or it might be a different type of experience. But um, where I forget where the question was. The witch wound. I feel that yeah. the witch wound is stored in our wombs, in the women's wombs, and the womb of the earth as well. Yeah. Um, so this is why yeah. as we're transcending and becoming more consciously aware of past lives, we're storing and activating more light into our body through this conscious awareness. And we're creating the earth's vibration to raise through doing this as well because we are more consciously aware we're more flexible we're able to communicate um, disagreements with ease but the witch wound is is being fearful of speaking out it's it's being fearful of truly being yourself because in the past you've been shunned for it you've been shamed for it you've been murdered for your magic and we're such magical beings um and we forget that sometimes yeah Absolutely. I love that. And it makes me think of like epigenetics. This is something that's really, really interesting, interesting to me about like ancestral healing because we've spoken to a lot of people that, you know, they've had past lives in Egypt. I have this sort of affinity with uh, Egyptian technology and Egyptian culture. And I, I feel like that I have a past life in Egypt, in Hathers. But I also feel like I've, I've had also past lives in Atlanta, in Lenis and Lemuria. And uh, this stretches so far back for lots of different people. And I think this is so interesting how over a millennia and thousands and thousands of years that we have those sort of wounds passed through our ancestors into our bodies. So sometimes I feel, do you, and I wanted to ask you this, like, do you ever experience people that feel trauma in their body that isn't necessarily something that belongs to them, but maybe it's a trauma that maybe their mother had experienced or maybe somebody in their family? Is that is that something that 
um, ever comes up for you? I definitely believe that, yes. Many of the um, past lives that people may be experiencing could be an ancestor, could be a, yeah, someone that's biologically related to us within our DNA. And in the womb, we store so much. So our mother's mother, how they were feeling when we were in the womb or their mother's mother, and we're carrying all of that ancestral trauma throughout. Yeah, and this is just one thing I think uh, the more modern take on this is like people that struggle with addiction. Um, I've known a lot of people that have struggled with addiction, and that came as a result of the fact that their parents were addicts. And so the idea of karma comes up, which is that if your, your parent doesn't do the work that is involved in order to heal that trauma of whatever it is that they went through when they were a child or the addiction, it gets intrinsically passed on to your child to have to deal through it as well. So I feel like this is a huge, huge responsibility that we have in, as, as light workers to heal through our trauma because it's not even just healing our trauma. Like we could be healing our entire lineage. You know what I mean? Like, I, and, also we, and I also want to think of this also too as our entire civilization. If I think to myself, if the, our ego is created through conditioning, then it's more or less ephemeral and illusory. The only thing that is left is outside of the ego is this sort of like quality that we all share, which is consciousness, right? And in that way, it doesn't seem as though we are healing our personal ancestry in a way, but our ancestors, our entire human civilization. So I feel like by healing ourselves, we are like experientially healing like the all of our civilization, you know what I mean? So I'm not just healing my own trauma, I'm healing the trauma of the guy down the street or the trauma of our culture. Yeah, it seems the like. inner creates the outer and the micro is the macro. So it, we're also who we're surrounding ourselves with. And so overcoming that karma of addiction, especially when you're surrounded by that environment, is a big step to your energy and the energies around you. And it's not convincing anyone else to heal, but the more you heal, the more you're healing others. Yeah. I have some questions about... Um about this past life regression and, and what that's like. I've never done one, um, but I do have an affinity toward Italy for whatever reason I was there visiting and I was in Rome and I was walking around and I felt, it felt so familiar. I knew where things were located. I'd never been there. You know, um, I knew how to get places. It just felt like I had been there before. So, uh, that was, a you know, just a feeling that I was experiencing just, you know, being in this, in this new place that should have been strange to me. But whenever you're doing these past life regressions with clients, like how does it come through? You know, how are they able to tap into their past life and, and how was that message delivered? I love the deja vu story in Italy and I'm excited to um, hear if you ever <laughs> do do a past life regression, if that comes through. Uh, most people have experienced sometimes nightmares from their dreams they come up and they question whether or not that's a past life deja vu has happened i had a client session the other day where um i didn't ask her to share this story so i'm not going to fully share it but there was something that was recognized within that she mentioned previously to the session to one of her friends and it came through during the session so there's just so many different synchronicities um, that happen within our subconscious earlier in life and that we can re-tap into later in life. And whether or not that's deja vu of being somewhere or a dream that's happened or something that you said just instantly like, oh, I've done this in a past life as a joke, it could really truly be a past life. Or someone you meet right away that just feels so in resonance with you. It could 
most definitely be a soulmate. Yeah. I, it's, it's funny that you say that about a dream because I, um, I have a past life dream that I'm very familiar with. And, um, when you dream of a past life, it's very different. It's not the same as a normal dream. It's much more, it's much more lucid. You know, you have all of the feelings and the sensations and it, it's just so intense. But, uh, I was on a train, I was a slave and, uh, I was on this train and, uh, kind of, I don't want to say waitressing, but like waiting on people, I guess. And I decided to jump off of this moving train and I was speaking another language and I could fully understand it. Like in my dream, I knew exactly, I was able to translate, knew exactly what I was saying. And uh, I jumped off this train and I was running through the desert and I was being shot at and I survived, but it's kind of like a reoccurring dream. But I remember like the feeling the cactus stick in my arm and the, and the dirt and the rocks cutting me as, you know, I was like rolling on the ground, but it's really interesting. I, I knew right away that that was an experience that I had, that that was indeed a past life. That wow. wasn't just Definitely. a dream, you know? So yeah, just wondering about, um, that, that was my experience, but have you heard, um, is that how it is? I mean, whenever, whenever that's popping up. Do you continue to have that dream repeatedly? Is that still? No, no. Yeah. I've, I've only had it a couple times, but, uh, and, and it's different segments of, it's not like a repeat of the dream. It's just like transporting me back to wow. that time frame, if that makes sense, but uh, participating in different actions. Gotcha. Yeah. Different periods of that lifetime periods. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It seems so vivid and, um, usually they're coming up to show us something and we can definitely move into those types of dreams deeper during past life regression so that we can heal from something. Um, when something similar happened to me where I had nightmares of war in India and yes, it's such a difference between just a venting dream, like, Oh, what's going on at work that day? That's venting out some type of mm -hmm. overload in your conscious versus a past mm -hmm. life where I've never been to this area of the world before. How do I know what it looks like? How do I know that right. this is over here or this is there? Um, mm -hmm. How do I know the materials that people wear during this time of life? And so I went into that past life in a quantum healing hypnosis session with my hypnotherapist and was able to understand a little bit more about that life and dying really young and what that had for me to teach me. Because it's such like a visceral experience, like when you have uh, a past life sort of experience like that. I I was very much this, very similar to yours. I would have dreams about being in the war and 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 going through different types of trauma. Most of these sort of visions that I've had actually had on psychedelic experiences. I remember like going into the restroom and looking at myself in the mirror and seeing myself as this like Aztec Mayan warrior. You know, and I remember looking and staring into my eyes, and I, I I looked into my eyes with such reverence, and the person that looked back at me had just so much compassion and love, but you could see the struggle of our ancestors in my eyes. Like you can, you can, you can feel the, this, this sort of like, it was this really beautiful experience that I, it's really difficult to put words to, but I was looking at myself in a past life as this like warrior that has seen death, that knows what it means to, you know, suffer the loss of people that I care about, but also fight for those that I love. And feeling that was so like empowering. It was this feeling of almost like this, this bittersweet, beautiful, but also deeply sad, but also very showed a lot of reverence and respect for whoever that person was. And that put it, 
in, uh, a lot into context when it came to anxiety that I felt when I was young, because aside of the trauma, there were just some things that I couldn't explain. Like there were just some anxieties that I had. I didn't even know where they came from. And I started, you know, uh, looking into my family history and, you know, my mother and my was telling me about like, you know, in our family, we have people that have, have lived and died in the war, people that were in World War II, and that's as far back as they can go. But I know that's in my veins. And I know that, that that sort of trauma is running through my veins. And that's why I feel like it's such a huge responsibility that each one of us has, because I feel like we all we all go through that. A re- huge responsibility that we have to understand these things for, for uh, you know, through modalities like the one that you're talking about. It's just such a trippy experience to be, to, to reach far beyond the, the you know, th- three dimensions that we're in right now and extract that information, you know. Mm-hmm. We remember and there's so many instances of children remembering what you just explained is so many accounts of children remembering or also what you mentioned, having anxiety without even knowing why that anxiety was there yeah. and the pain, but also the power in knowing that pain that you fought for something more than yourself. And we continue to as we awaken. Yeah. The interesting thing about like what you're saying, Jen, and, and, and what you're saying is that Jen is in this is a dream. Like you were in a dream. It's like, it sounds to me that like she was in the same sort of frame of mind or same dimension that you are teaching in and, and, and doing these um, sort of hypnotherapy sessions in. Right. So I think maybe the difference is, is like maybe sitting, having somebody like yourself, like sitting with somebody like Jen, helping guide them through that experience. You can take them a bit deeper, I imagine. Definitely. It's mindful presence and um, 12th dimensional consciousness is where it's at. <laughs> crystalline (laughs) god warriors i like to call us or at least me (laughs) that's amazing so you mentioned um quantum healing uh in in your hypnotherapy so can you explain what um to our listeners that may not know what quantum healing is absolutely so quantum healing is the process of being able to access like you were mentioning the akashic records or what is stored in the quantum realm which is the dimension that's higher than this third dimensional earth dense way of living and through accessing those memories through re-remembering them we are accessing the depths of ourself the depths of our soul and um, yeah we all can start to communicate more through in the quantum telepathically the more we remember these aspects of ourself the more we practice these spiritual practices and modalities whether or not it's breathwork, sound healing, uh, psychedelics, hypnotherapy, all of these tools we have access to to allow our light body to activate higher, vibrate higher, and create more change. I want to know what you think about this. So this makes me think of um, a fellow named uh, Alexander Shulgin. And he's one of the, uh, a chemist that was kind of responsible for resynthesizing MDMA back in the 60s or the 70s. And he actually said that he thought the psychedelic state was the natural state, right? So one thing that we access in the psychedelic state is our third eye or pineal gland, which, you know, tends to activate with with things like psychedelics. And he was talking about at some point in our history, that psychedelic state was the, the normal state, which means, at least to him, we at some point in our history were able to access, you know, dimensions farther beyond this third dimension just by will. And this makes me think of like uh, the <clears throat> Atlanteans, right, and the Lemurians. Like they were able to communicate telepathically, non-verbally, and they were also able to astral project, almost like it was just a muscle that they had in their brain. And I imagine that at some point, maybe in our history, we had access to 
our past lives in the same way that we would be able to remember anything. Do you think, um, does that resonate with you? Do you think that at some point in our history we had access, like really clear and really simple access to these realms and somehow over time we just lost that ability? I would love to believe that. (laughs) (laughs) And you think about different, um, just different ways that we look at the human psyche and how we process things, but there's so many things beyond what our eyes can see, whether that's elemental beings like dragons or fairies or the fae and communicating with the higher realms and understanding more about our past lives i think we would all have access to the more i think we are actually the planet is vibrating higher now and it's starting to vibrate at the fifth density so we're going to have this flush within all these solar flares of more information coming to light about ourselves about what this realm really is that's what I truly believe. And I believe some things, yeah. even schizophrenia, might have so much fear within that, but that could actually be a very in-tune psychic ability. And I was looking at something the other day, and it was a podcast, and I don't remember who it was by, but it was the spectrum of trauma we've experienced, high levels, low levels, and then the amount of love and fear that we're holding and how this can create a spiritual emergency or how we can also be um, manic depressive. So our energy is, is very much moving from this hyperactive state to this very low depressive state. And we can use psych- um, pharmaceuticals to work with this, but there's so many other realms of working with our mind and our body to feel safer. And the more we hold love, the less fear we have. So it's interesting, like looking at it as a spiritual emergency versus um, what it could be. And I can work with doctors as well to help um, clients get off drugs if they do not want to be on that anymore. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think we're like yeah. approaching this sort of like like uh, the, this recursion of the the mystical realm through the use of maybe psychedelics or plant medicine that give us access to these realms. It, it's interesting because a lot of us, you know, a lot of people that that think of all of this in a rational way, they think that they should just be able to physically see these sort of realms in front of them, right? They should they should physically be able to see aliens with their eyes. But the one thing that I learned through like the work of Terence McKenna or even like you know Alexander Shulgin is that those dimensions exist like within we can access them by simply closing our eyes i mean how do we know that aliens don't exist in in these sort of like spiritual dimensions that exist when our eyes are closed like for example like barbara marciniak's bringers of the dawn she talks a lot about pleiadians the whole reason why she was able to channel that book is because the pleiadians channeled into her um through a trance like sort of state she just isn't like she physically saw them it's like she accessed i imagine maybe the same place that you access those those dreams and in that history of people's past and learning how to, to access those dimensions, I feel like is becoming a lot more. It's something that I feel like we're trading into, like you say, the fifth density or the fourth density and bringing that into the world. I think through practices like love, I think we're starting to see that, right? I totally agree. I totally agree with both of you. So I, I had a question about, um, about channeling since we're on that topic. Do you do any channeling yourself? Do you do any like automatic writing or anything like that? I do. And it's not always intentional when channeling comes. It's almost like accidentally stumbling upon something that spirit might show. Automatic writing, I love. And I love to set the intention beforehand that what's coming through is only for the best and highest light. 
Intentions are so important when we're channeling because if we don't have that firm intention, then we don't know whether the spirit is really for our best and highest good, whatever is coming through. So we are the aliens. I do believe that we are. We have the ability to tap into different galaxies, different um, alien realms. I do believe I'm a little Orion and Arcturian. Um, but I do love the Palladians and you can call upon the Palladians at any time, but you really can notice a Palladian when you meet them. They have this beautiful, just angelic aura about them. (laughs) I resonate. I've always resonated more with Arcturians. So that was, I would be like, that would be the civilization Mm -hmm. that I resonate with the most. Um, kind of Pleiadians. I've had a few psychics tell me that I was sort of like a hybrid, like, oh, there's something about Pleiadian and Arcturian energy maybe they just sort of one day in the past Mm -hmm. did the hanky panky and that sort of thing happened (laughs) that way but i totally vibe with you on the arcturian piece for sure i wanted to ask a really weird channeling experience the other day that i wanted to share with you guys and eric i didn't even tell you about this oh you did i was at a rush no i didn't um this has the best stories that's been going on yeah we haven't had time to like really connect like offline anyway um i i was in a restaurant and um laura you don't know but i'm a medium and uh, I've never had a message come through without opening the door, right? Without like sitting in meditation first and then, you know, connecting in that way. Um, I try to have like pretty strong boundaries, but this message channeled through so strong and it was to a person of an acquaintance. So I don't know a ton about this person. Uh, she She's a friend of a friend and I've hung out with her a few times, but I really don't know much about her life at all. And, um, she was sitting, we were sitting in this restaurant and I just felt so compelled to tell her, I was like, oh my gosh, like I just have this overwhelming sense that I have to, you know, give you this message. Are you open to receive? And she said, yeah, (laughs) like in a very uncomfortable way. And, um, I just channeled this message about her lineage and how she was a medicine woman and, um, participated in, in, uh, the birth of many children in a past life. And, um, and I just started crying like a crazy person in this, in this restaurant. Like I just had no control of the message that was coming through. And she was like, she was speechless. And she said, I, I don't know how you would know all, all of that, but that is my family's history. She's Ethiopian. And uh, her aunt was actually a baby that was saved by by her mother, who was birthing children, and and you know they would kill the female children. Um, so yeah, her her mom, you know, stole this child and sent them to another village and X, Y, and Z. Anyway, yeah. So she's from like a, a long line of medicine women that you know partic- that were midwives. So it was pretty cool. And then later I, I found out, I said, listen, if you're really unhappy in your career, uh, I just want to let you know that you have an opportunity to go mm-hmm. into medicine and be very successful. So whatever that looks like for you, uh, whether it's naturopath or you, you know, want to be a doctor or whatever, uh, you could e- easily change your career and, and you're supported in that direction. And she said, I actually took the MCAT and was accepted to medical school, uh, before I went into, uh, I think she works in like marketing or something. So, uh, yeah, it was a really cool experience, uh, mm-hmm. since we were on the topic of channeling, sorry to divert. Did you hear <laughs> like, and make nice it about me, but- <laughs> Did you hear that coming yeah. through? Um, <laughs> cognitively know it or did you see visualize? No, it was, it was almost like a trance. Uh, I just started talking and the words were coming out and I didn't have any control over what I was saying. Wow. It was really bizarre. 
and I was and I was drinking too, which never happens because that <laughs> lowers your vibration, and that's not like a you know a, mm-hmm. it's very hard to receive whenever you're drinking. And I had quite a few drinks that day, you know, and then it just it, I was taken over. So yeah, it was really really bizarre. Anyway, did you ask the woman permission before? I'm I'm so curious the scene going down and what actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, I said, Hey, I have a message for you. Are you open to receive it? And, uh, and she said, yeah, sure. <laughs> and I was like, okay, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. And you didn't know what the message was personally. No. Wow. That's yeah. Beautiful. And it was just like, uh, more words were being delivered and delivered and delivered. So yeah. I've been fortunate enough to kind of be a part of witnessing Jen's kind of journey unravel so Jen comes from a long line of Rosicrucians, and so Rosicrucians are you know, they're really into like mystery schools, Christian mystery schools. So the entire time that I've known Jen, she's always had these sort of like supernatural, otherworldly experiences that happened to her, so even since she was a child, right? So every house she lives in, there's always ghosts, there's always different energies that flock to her, wherever it is that she goes, you know? And uh, the entire time that I've known her, I've always, you know, uh, heard stories about different things that would happen in her home and uh, different sort of downloads that she'd had. And we were just like, you know, we need to really, really venture into that that world. And she, you know, got into mediumship. Now she's having these type of experiences, which is really cool. Yeah, really cool. Anyway, uh, and, and the automatic writing, the reason why I asked about the automatic writing is um, I had a, an experience with that too. So I was, I was just curious about, uh, about your experiences with channeling and, um, are you doing it more like intention setting or is it just kind of free flow and just coming to you? And does that happen in sessions with clients? Intentionally, I sit with my body with presence and that's really my deepest practice is to pull in love and to not channel, to just be present with myself. Um, when I'm doing that practice on my own, when I'm meditating every day or, doing breath work. I don't really go into it with the intention of receiving a a channeled message, but when they come through, that's when it's the most special. Or if you're working with someone else, working with a breath work facilitator or shaman, um, when those messages come through, whether or not it's a spirit animal archetype or just the name of a person that is really important to you that you didn't know existed and that you can research a little bit later. That's just, it's understanding that channeling is messages that are divinely sent to you for a reason. Um, With clients, when we're going on certain types of journeys, um, just trusting what Source has and how we're um, utilizing different movements. For example, going up um, a mountain and then realizing that they need to pull something up, some type of anchor, I'll help them guide that. Um, that will help the subconscious to pull something up into their consciousness of knowing. But I won't know that that's coming up before I'm saying it. It will just just happen there. Just happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just the the right words are delivered at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Those like visual those techniques are really, really helpful. I know for me, because um, I've been astral projecting since I was a, a young child, it was a little bit more difficult in the beginning because I didn't really understand exactly what it was until I got into the work of like Robert Monroe and Hemi. And um, there's a several different ways that you can do that. You can do like the rollover method, but the one that really works for me is like in, in, is uh, visualizing walking up these stairs up towards this sort of lighthouse that just sort of ventures far off into the heavens. And the the, the farther we walk upwards, the more how would I how would I explain it? 
it was almost like this uh, metaphorical sort of representation of distancing ourselves from the ego, which is typically the the force that prevents us from really accessing the astral realm. So the the higher you go, the further away from your ego you become, and you sort of slowly start venturing into the spiritual realm. And I would always do this in sleep. And as I started walking up the staircase, and I kept walking and walking, walking up, I'd start to feel the vibrations in my body. I'd start to feel that 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 sort of feeling that people consider the vibratory stage in astral projection. And that's when you start to feel your sort of spirit start to leave. It's such like a beautiful thing. It really helps to have those sort of like visual um, exercises uh, when you go um, do that type of work, you know? Absolutely. You've been astral projecting since you were 14? Since I was young, yeah. This is very, very young. But it took me a while to really get comfortable with it. Because if, if you have anybody that's listening that's ever astral projected, you kind of know what I'm talking about. You have to go through the same sort of doorway that people experience when they have panic attacks, right? Because there's something that happens with the ego. The, the second it starts to feel its the, the spirit depart from the body, the ego doesn't know what to do with it. So the ego automatically translates that as there's something wrong. And the ego can also interpret that as you're dying. And that's the, the biggest thing for people to overcome in astral projection is that narrative, is that voice. Because that is a voice that usually prevents people from accessing that realm because nobody wants to die. Nobody wants to feel like they'll go and never return. But that is what you have to sort of battle with when it comes to astral projection because once that vibratory stage comes upon your body, the ego comes in and says, if you do this, something bad will happen. If you keep going down this path, you may stop breathing. And the thing is, those things may happen, right? There's a possibility that they may happen, right? But you have to trust that if you have the ability to go into the astral realm, that God graced you with the ability to do that. So if you can get past that place of ego preventing you and you go into that space, I think um, you can get into astral projection. But when you're a kid, you don't know that. You're like, oh, I'm legit going to die. I can't go. I can't pass go. And I couldn't pass go until I got much older in my life. Sometimes I would fall accidentally into it, like a lucid dream or something like that. And you'll wake up and you're already in that realm. Uh, but once you're in there, there's a, an entirely other sort of dimension that exists, an entirely different order that things have in the fourth dimension that also can be really confusing too. So trying to learn how to moderate through that can be really challenging. But um, it's been a practice for me, right? It takes a lot of energy. And uh, yeah, that's it's been like yeah. a huge part of my life for a long time. So It's really interesting how the, the body and the mind have like these false alarm triggers. Yeah. We were, um, we were in Hawaii pretty recently and, um, and my partner went, uh, spearfishing and you do a free dive and then you're carrying this like spear gun to shoot, you know, a fish and, uh, you have to hold your breath for a really long time. So the guy that was teaching them, uh, initially everyone held their breath and tried to hold their breath for as long as they could before, uh, before they started the exercises. Right. So nobody made it even close to a minute, you know, everybody was like under a minute, 45 seconds, 30 seconds, whatever. And the guy was telling them, well, Hey, you can actually hold your breath for four minutes. It's your body that is sending out these, um, your body and your mind that sends out these alarms, you know, and these false triggers. But if you are able to get into a meditative state, you can bypass that and then you can hold your breath much longer. So after um, working with them with breath work and teaching them how to how to hold their breath and go past those physical um, those physical sensations because it is painful like you have a, a a painful visceral reaction to holding your breath that long once you get past that you're 
you're actually pretty comfortable. So by the end, everybody could hold their, hold their breath three minutes, three and a half minutes after just like one day of, of this meditation practice and breath work. It's pretty cool. It's badass. Yeah. Really cool. Having faith that your mind is more than matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It's also trusting that like source is going to take care of you. Like it's, if you're somebody that believes in reincarnation, like I imagine all of us do, it's really no consequence if that's the way that you go out because you can come back and do this thing a million times. You know what I mean? That sort of um, fear sort of like diminishes once we really, really, truly intrinsically believe that our spirit can never die. Like we can venture into these Mm -hmm. things without fear. And I also think that there is some utility to the reason why the body keeps us grounded to this space. Because that's really the most important thing, right? The most important thing is to stay grounded in this reality because this is where our experience is. And I try not to get too lost in the the mystical part of it, although it is fascinating. It can also still be very confusing. And a lot of people can get lost in, I guess, when Hinduism, they call these things CDs, which are like spiritual gifts that come as a result of these type of awakenings. And I try not to get lost in those sort of realms because... They can show you a lot of things and they can teach you a lot of things, but there's nothing that can teach you like what's in your present moment right now, right? There's nothing that can teach you more than where you're at right now. So trying to, because I'm a Libra, I get lost in the clouds all the time. I have to like develop my practice to keep my two feet on the ground because I can get, Jen will tell you, <laughs> I I need to ground myself a little bit. And so I think it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like a compassionate also impulse that our bodies try their best to, to keep us grounded in this space. You know, so I think uh, maybe finding a good balance with that is uh, what would be the most practical thing. Definitely. When we're talking about ego and the I am self and grounding into our own body, which is also connected to our ego, we have a healthy ego, then we can um, feel safer and more grounded in our body. But empathy is, is more of our soul. So connecting with others, knowing that we are one consciousness as we're connecting and we have the same types of abilities and attunements and maybe experiences that we've gone through. But one of my favorite practices is really to bring in ourselves back to self and then also extending it almost like flowers that are blossoming within each chakra system. And and as you were talking, I looked at the clock and it's, um, uh, it says one eleven for how long have you been recording? So I'm sure that that message is going to resonate with, with quite a few people. Uh, I, I just had one more question. Um, and it's really related to your clients. Um, so you obviously have a lot of um, esoteric knowledge. Uh, does Do your clients come to you knowing that or are you receiving clients that may not know about your knowledge base? Some of my clients have more esoteric knowledge than I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, other clients, not so much at all. So there is a varied mixture. And I am a little mysterious with my spiritual beliefs because I can go pretty down the rabbit hole with those. But truly, I do care about the logistical side and the neuroscience and how we are quite literally adding neurons to our brain through this work. And we can rewire anything. We can change our reality from anything. It's really just believing in it and having faith and source and faith in what we'd like to create, really focusing on that more than the traumas and the pain that, yes, they suck. And yes, they're very hard. And there's grieving processes to allow that emotional regulation to feel safe, but we can move through it faster if we like to, if we want to. I love that. That's beautiful. 
I wanted to bring up something, actually a couple things, uh, a couple things. I want to know what your perspective is on this, um, Lauren. So these were um, from your IG. You have a lot of really great tidbits of, of wisdom that I really, really resonated with. There was one that I really loved because it's really authentic and it was really true. And it, and it sort of touched on the sort of Advaita Vedanta Hindu spirituality that I, I tend to follow. Uh, you had to talk about um, these phrases are bullshit. <laughs> the, 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 she started off and she was like, she's like, these phrases are a bunch of bullshit. I thought that was hilarious because it's true. They are bullshit, Jen. She, um, and it started off with, I feel like, what do you feel like? Right. You feel an emotion. You don't feel like an emotion. She broke it down to, you know, we also say a part of me feels why only a part of you, right? What does all of you want? <laughs> Right? Don't you want to be like a full-bodied fuck yes? Like, can you expand more on that video? Because I thought that was really, <laughs> really beautiful share. It's so funny because I, I've said many of those phrases at the same time. But you know, when a lot of people start to say the same types of phrases, and we're all experiencing it collectively and saying the same types of things collectively, they don't make sense. And and the words that we say really affect us and affect our our process and. Even saying trying, that's saying that you're you're not really fully going for it. You're just trying it. But you're doing it. You're yeah. doing it right now. So own it. We can own it. It's okay um, to be a little cocky and humble at the same time. I feel like is a really annoying phrase for me because <laughs> <laughs> we feel emotions and Allowing ourselves to feel the emotions without judgment is the most important part of this journey and really regulating those emotions so that we can truly feel the heights and the depths of them. But at the same time, these phrases, I'm sick of them. <laughs> I mean, it's true. We all use them. And even after you yeah. know, I, I watched that video, I, it's, it's so because it's, it's so deeply ingrained in our conditioning, right? Like mm -hmm. to say things like this. Like a part of me feels, it's like, we don't even realize it's like, okay, well that's saying that like, you're not really committing to what it is that you're feeling. If you're feeling an emotion, mm -hmm. you want to understand the emotion. It's in your best interest to just feel the fuck out of whatever that is, right? To just completely mm -hmm. commit to feeling that instead of just splitting yourself into two and being like, okay, well, there's this one part of me that feels this way. And there's another part of me that doesn't. And I think that's a, I guess like a, a perfect representation of the sort of like bipolar forms of conditioning that we have in the world, right? Where people are so afraid to like fully mm -hmm. commit to what it is that they feel that they'll sort of like create all of these different abstractions out of fear of feeling it. Definitely. If you're only partly feeling it, then you're safer because you can go back on that mm -hmm. or you can not commit to it fully. That's funny though. You mentioned like this way of living, yeah. which is based on reward and punishment. And we're, we're so fearful of being punished for what we haven't even said yet or haven't even done. So we stop ourselves from doing it because of that fear, but we don't need to do that. We can do it with the fear. We can do it with the trembling voice, with the witch wound. And the more you do it, then the more you're expanding. Yeah. Ellen Watts talks a lot about these narratives um, that we're talking about as sort of like a reverberation of ego. Like whenever we replace action or experience with a thought, we're always one thought away from the real thing, which inevitably kind of removes us from the experience. Like when he says you know, there isn't anyone hearing sound, there's just sound, right? There isn't anyone feeling feelings, there's just feelings, right? So the moment that mm -hmm. we identify each experience as impersonal, I think we, we cease taking each experience personally. So it just kind of reminds me of what we're talking about is it's just 
completely embodying whatever happens to be within your field without identifying a certain aspect of yourself with it. I think it's a, a much, I guess, more organic way to feel through things because the ego likes to latch on to things, right? The ego likes to like identify something as their own or, or take certain things personally. I think that's when we get into a lot of trouble. And I think like by, you know, addressing everything from awareness, we can kind of just take it all in and not allow these things to sort of like move us all these different directions, you know? So do you have any tips for our listeners on how to manage and deal with trauma? Just anything that they can do at home? Managing and dealing with trauma takes first admitting that we have trauma and that it's okay. The most important tips with trauma is, it depends. I mean, there's so many different ranges of trauma that we've experienced and the types of trauma, whether that's physical or mental or emotional. But the most important thing to remember is that you are perfect and whole and complete just as you are and powerful because the depths that you felt also creates higher light within your body and able to access higher light. So being in community is really important. Having people around Mm -hmm. that feel of like-minded vibration. And if you're interested in working with a coach, coaches are a great great way to help you fast track through feeling safer in the body. That's great. Thank you for that. Yeah, that was really, really beautiful. I'm going to share another little piece of information. You're actually a really eloquent writer, by the way. I think that our audience would love to hear this, and I'm going to read it (laughs) off. Hopefully I can do it justice with my cadence, and then maybe we can expand (laughs) on it after, after I talk about it. So she says, elemental magic could be as simple as crying for the trees with intention of bringing more rain. We learn from nature. We can give back to nature. The trees work so interdependently, sending water through the root system if one is lacking. And we humans work co-creatively just as trees do, except we have consciousness. Consciousness that can shift the more we share our truth in real love. Let's continue to build the foundation of our new earth, one that involves visions of nourishing lifestyles in mind, body, and spirit. One with more land ownership, potluck lifestyles, oh, potlucks. Trading ideas, stories, events, and songs. Thank you, trees, for cleaning the air as you do so naturally. We humans can be more naturally filled up as well. Thank you, romantic soul, for every time you're grateful for nature. Oh, that's really beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, that's so good. Isn't that beautiful? I have have a little tree knowledge. Not much, (laughs) but I watch this. Netflix thing on trees. And uh, I, I'm sure, I don't know if you've seen it, but um, I thought uh, this is my one big takeaway that um, trees actually know if a seedling is one of their seedlings or not. And um, they will re they will redirect their roots to their seedlings um, to feed their, their trees, but they will help out their brothers as well. But, um, but they can tell the difference. That's beautiful. So if yeah. there's a seedling nearby, then they'll redirect mm-hmm. their roots towards that mm-hmm. seedling to help protect yeah. it. Yeah, to help protect it and give it nourishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they can uh, and they can distinguish the difference between their own seedlings and uh, a seedling that is not theirs, mm. which is pretty cool. It is. It's nature is such um, a lesson, a teacher for us. Mm-hmm. The mangrove yeah. trees, if there's a fire around, they'll, they'll emit a scent. I, I don't know if it's mangrove. I believe it is. To protect the other parts of the trees to not be burned 
And so, yeah, they'll send it out through the, um, I don't know, but it's so interesting how nature works like that and we can do the exact same thing. Absolutely. And like in Swedenborgian theology, he looks at the galaxy as being sort of like this universal man. And to certain planets represent certain organs inside of the universal man's body, right? And so human beings on this earth represent a certain part of this universal human. And, I, and this is this is what it, it, this reminds me of that because in the same way that branches in it from a tree sort of like reach far beyond the soil into like you're talking about this almost like this neural path this neural pathways that it has we're almost like the the roots of those trees right like we we reach out to each other we can help heal each other and we can help just sort of like spread all of our love and positivity to each other in support of this larger sort of organism that we're a part of, right? Absolutely. And our roots go just as deep and our energy goes just as high and trees are, are like us and our energy bodies um, and they can help assist us. I love communicating with the trees. They have so much wisdom about this earth realm. <laughs> That's uh, so beautiful. So nature's so healing. <laughs> yeah, it really, really is. So thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I really appreciate your wisdom and your knowledge. I'm sure we could have probably mm-hmm. gone on for another few hours just talking about everything, talking about life. But I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your light with mm-hmm. us. And we definitely appreciate the work that you do for our communities. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. Yeah, no problem. So if you guys are interested in Lauren Bruno's work, she can be found on Instagram under Hypnolution, but you could go directly to her website at Hypnolution Therapy. Dot com, right? She utilizes many Buddhist and Hinduistic principles in her work and also Taoism, which is kind of, that, that's, that's my jam, Jen. I love the Taoism. That's your jam. Sure yeah. is. So if you guys have any questions, you can reach out to her directly. Uh, she, she also does um, one-on-one hypnotherapies. She has all of her offerings on her website. So if you're interested, Go on the website. She does neuro-linguistic programming, emotional freedom technique, past life regression, all the things. She's also Reiki attuned. Right? Amazing. She yeah. does it all. Wonder she does woman. it all. Just listing all yeah. of them now. <laughs> <laughs> Just listing all of them. Thank you guys for tuning in to Vine Nobody's podcast. Give us a like and subscribe if you're on YouTube. If you're on an audio platform, feel free to leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. You can reach out to us on our Instagram as well at Divine Nobody's Podcast. Send us a message. Let us know if you have any topics you'd like me and Jen to cover. And I'm sure we'll have uh, Lauren on the podcast again. We can talk about other things. Maybe some. we'll get into some relationships next time. You never know. You mm. never know. It's a big thing. Dimensions. Relationships. Conspiracies. Different. <laughs> conspiracy. Ooh, oh, oh, love it. We go down the rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. We've got mm-hmm. a bunch of Speaking our language. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking our language. Thank you guys for joining us today. Have a good evening, everyone. Namaste, friends. Namaste. Namaste.